good evening. A warm welcome. Ich 
Genesis chapter 17, where we began last Sunday evening. We'll look at verses 9 through to the end, but we'll read the whole chapter. Genesis chapter 17 and at verse 9, at verse 1, sorry. 
This is God's word. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and I will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. The generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you, will no, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son. And you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household or bought with his money, every male in his household, and circumcised them as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that same day, and every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or brought, bought with, from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. Amen. And may God bless that reading of his word to us. Let's just turn back to God in prayer as we as we turn to the passage that we're going to study. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word and we pray for understanding. As we open your word, we pray that the Holy Spirit uh, would illuminate our minds and help us to, to grasp uh, intellectually the truth of this passage. And more than that, we pray that our hearts would be touched, that we would take hold of the truth of this message by faith as uh, we consider these verses. We thank you, Lord, for uh, your work and the life of your people through the generations. We look back all the way to Abraham and we see your faithfulness to him and we see his efforts to follow. 
Uh, we see sometimes how he followed closely and was faithful. Other times how he strayed and how he fell. And we recognize ourselves, Lord, in all uh, that we see so uh, many years back. And we thank you that you are the same God who shows grace to your people. And we ask, Lord, that you would show to us this, this grace this evening as we confess our sin day by day. We pray that you would forgive us as we acknowledge that we are filled with self. We pray, Lord, that you would empty us. And as we recognize our great need of your help, we pray that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. So be amongst us, Lord, we pray. We pray for those here in the building tonight. We're conscious of many who are not. And we pray that you would be with them where, wherever they are. We're aware of some who are sick, Lord, and who are caring for relatives who are struggling. And we bring them to you in prayer. And we ask that you would help them. We think especially of uh, Roddy, uh, Chrissy's brother, Peggy's uncle. And we ask, Lord, that you would be near to him. Uh, we ask that as he struggles with his health, Lord, that he would know uh, your hand upon him. That he would be granted uh, strength physically. And Lord, that you would bless him spiritually, that he would know the ministry of your spirit in his heart. And we ask, Lord, that you would be near to him. We pray for Neil Cameron again. We thank you, Lord, for taking him through these uh, procedures medically. And we ask that as he, as he takes time at home and seeks to recover, that you would speed that recovery, that you'd protect him from any infection or complication, that you would ease the discomfort that he feels physically, uh, take the pain away, Lord, and help him uh, to know that uh, you are with him and uh, help him to know also the, 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 the blessing of uh, being held up by the prayers of those uh, who are his brothers and sisters, those who love him. And many others, Lord, that we can think of who are sick at this time. We continue to pray for Kenny's mum and we ask, Lord, uh, that you would be especially near to her and to the whole family at this time. And others that we haven't named, Lord, but we are mindful of in our, in our uh, consciousness. We pray uh, that as we think of faces and as we silently in our hearts bring to you names, Lord, that you would minister to each one of them. Pray for those in our families, uh, some who are away from us at this time. We think of those who are uh, on the far side of the sea, uh, those who uh, are on ships, those who train to go out on ships and uh, who once were with us, and we, we bring them to you in prayer. Uh, we ask, Lord, that uh, where there have been those who have gone off to study and gone off to work, who once sat with us, Lord, that you would continue to strive with them and that they would hear the voice of Jesus calling them to come and find rest for their souls in him and in him alone. So, Lord, we, we pray for all uh, those that uh, have come into our minds in this time, and we pray for others who perhaps have been overcome by the, the busyness of a day. We recognize that this is the day that you have given us to be still and know that you are God. And yet we confess that there are uh, still struggles to, to take that time to be still. We recognize that there are pressures, that there are those that would pull us this way and that. And for any who may be distracted, from any who may be drifting from you, we ask, Lord, that you would draw to them back, uh, that you would take them back to a close walk with you. And for others, Lord, who uh, are at a distance tonight, but who are, who are worshipping in their hearts, we ask that you would bless them as we pray that you would bless us. So hear our prayers, take away our sin, help us as we turn to your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. 
Genesis 17, um, as we turn back to it, we, we hit pause last week at, at verse 8. We'd been considering the, the life, uh, the testimony uh, of Abram, Abraham. We were thinking about the fact that a testimony is a moving thing. Uh, it's the testimony, we often think about a testimony as, as the story of how God met with us and broke into our lives. And that's just the beginning of a testimony. Emily, don't be far away. Come over this way. But a testimony is, is a moving thing. A testimony is the story of how we, how we walk with God, how we spend time with God, how we, how we are in our relationship uh, with God. And we, we thought about last week uh, how Abram, uh, he had to wait for the Lord. And it was a long wait. God made a promise to him, uh, a promise of, of people, a promise of land, a promise of blessing. And there was a lot of time that passed. And as that time passed, uh, faith would have been tested but Abraham was being called to wait upon the Lord, and, and he did so. And we thought last week about how Abraham uh, walked with God through different seasons, uh, through different experiences. He was called to live before the Lord, to live his life in the presence of God. And we thought last week also about how Abraham, Abraham listened to the Lord. Uh, as God spoke, uh, God revealed more and more of his name and his nature and uh, his plan to him. And as Abraham listened to God, uh, his faith was strengthened, and he was able to keep on keeping on. So that's where we got to last week, the end of verse uh, 8. Uh, and now I want to pick up at verse 9. We can uh, hit play again, and uh, continue to look in on the life of Abraham, and on this relationship with, with God. Uh, that is, is explained to us, in the verses and the chapters we've been looking at. So, so what do we see Abraham doing as we look in on his, his spiritual life? Well, there's three more things tonight. The first thing is he's trusting the Lord. Uh, the second thing is he is talking with the Lord. And the final thing is he's obeying the Lord. So there's the three points for this evening. Uh, Abraham, he's trusting the Lord. Uh, he's talking with the Lord. We uh, see him in conversation and prayer. And uh, he is um, obeying the Lord. So first of all, trusting the Lord. We can ask the question, a basic question. If the, if the, if the children were all sitting down here, they'd give me lots of answers, I'm sure. There's a few of them about, so maybe I'll ask the question. What does it mean to trust the Lord? And is it easy to see if somebody's trusting the Lord? You're quieter in the mornings. How do we know? How do we know that someone really trusts us? You know, it can be difficult to know if someone really trusts us. Because it's very easy to say to someone, I, I trust you uh, with words. It's very easy to say to anybody, oh, you, you, I, don't worry, I, I fully trust you. But the test of whether we actually trust someone is seen in our actions. Anna, just turned 17 this week past. Uh, the L plates will soon be on the car. Uh, Natalie, I was glancing around, she's not here so I can speak about her. She's, I've seen her uh, in the car with the L plates on, Ruthie as well, and there's probably a few others. So there's various people in the congregation just now uh, who are learning to drive. And we might say, well, you know, I think these three girls are going to make excellent drivers. It's very easy to say that, isn't it? I think these girls are going to make excellent drivers. I think I could be absolutely confident and fully trust in their driving skills. And that's very, very easy to say. But the test of your trust is will you get in the car with them? Will you put your hand up and volunteer to go and do some you know, driving experience with them? That's the test of trust. 
Remember the story, I think I've told the story before here, of uh, the, the man called Charles Blondin. He was an early version of a stuntman. He was a tightrope walker. He did all kinds of stunts. And on one occasion, he, he set up a tightrope across the Niagara River, this fast, fast-flowing river, you know, the Niagara Falls, very powerful river. And he was going to do the stunt to end all stunts. He was going to do this amazing feat. So he, he set the tightrope over the river, and, and the crowd gathered, and he said, I'm going to cross over the, the Niagara River. I'm going to walk the tightrope. No safety nets, no health and safety back in these days. And he did it. He walked over, he walked back. Crowd cheered. He walked over, he walked back again. I think he took a bicycle and he, he cycled over and he, he cycled back and then he got a wheelbarrow and he took that forward and he took that back, walking the tightrope over this dangerous river. And the crowd were absolutely amazed and enthralled by everything uh, that he was doing. Uh, they were stunned by it. And then he paused and he, he turned to the crowd and he says, uh, who believes who believes I could walk back and forth over the Niagara River on this tightrope? Not just with a wheelbarrow, but with a man in the wheelbarrow. All the crowd's hands went up, big cheers. Of course we trust you, of course we believe that. And then he said, that's uh, excellent news. Now can I have a volunteer to sit in the wheelbarrow? And the crowd went quiet. You know, no one wanted to do that. And it just illustrates the point. It's easy to say, I believe you. It's easy to say, I trust you. But the test of trust is, will we do what's asked of us? So what did God ask of Abraham? Well, look at verses 9 to, to verse 14. God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision. And it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or, or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So that's what Abram was asked to do. And I don't want to, for obvious reasons, go into much of the details of, of uh, what physically uh, he was asked to do. But let me just say that what Abraham was asked to do wasn't an easy thing. It wasn't a pleasant thing. Circumcision was a, it was a sign uh, that God prescribed it. It symbolized the, the cutting away of the old life. Colossians 2 verse 11, you can check that later. And really that's what Abram was, was called to. He'd been cut away from his old life. You think about when we first saw Abraham, he's far away in a different place. And the Lord came to him and spoke to him and, and, and cut him away from an old life and took him into this new life. And so Abraham, as we find him now, he, he's in a new place that God had led him to. He's living this new life uh, before the Lord in the presence of the God that he trusted. And Abraham was no longer living for himself. He belonged to God, and he knew it. He cherished that. He was one of God's people. And this sign uh, was a sign that physically marked him out as one of God's people. Now, only the males were required uh, to have the sign. I think probably the reason for that was uh, the male was the, 
the head of the home. And so it was enough for him to be marked out on behalf of the whole family. And I think also it was a mercy of God that the females didn't have to uh, undergo uh, such a, a procedure. But all that said, uh, this was a difficult thing to be asked to do. It was actually quite a perplexing thing to be asked to do. But as it was done, as Abram, as Abraham uh, heard this word from God and trusted God with this word and acted on it, he was, it was a sign that showed that he himself personally was trusting the Lord and also he was entrusting his family and all of his life to the Lord. Now going from the Old Testament to the New Testament, if we open this up into the the wider biblical context, uh, thankfully the the sign of the covenant changed from circumcision uh, to baptism. And when we're baptized, or when we are having our, our little ones baptized, as we've seen here in past months, we are saying, as parents, we are trusting the Lord, and we are saying openly that we are entrusting our family, our descendants, to the Lord, believing that in God's time, he will draw them to himself. And we pray into that. But in general, as we look in on Abraham's life, uh, as we watch him, uh, we, can see, we can see how he is trusting the Lord, even in perplexing, even in painful circumstances. He's trusting God. And this is an, an example, it's a, a, an illustration that encourages us to do the same. You know, sometimes we won't understand why God is asking us to do a particular thing. But our calling is to trust him. Sometimes what the Lord asks us to do uh, can be a painful thing, but our calling is to trust him. And the truth is he is trustworthy. And if you doubt that, and if I doubt that, uh, we're to look again to the cross. We don't worship a God who, who, who calls us to be subject to pain and sorrow, and yet who sits distant from it. We worship the God who condescended from heaven to earth. We worship the God who was known as the man of sorrows. We worship the God who was faithful, faithful unto the most excruciating, painful, physical and spiritual death on the cross. As we look at Jesus, we see how he trusted and obeyed the will of the Father as he suffered and as he died to secure the salvation of those who believe in him. So whenever we're having a difficulty trusting in the Lord, and if we're honest, there are times, there are situations, there can be things that break into our lives and we struggle. Whenever we are struggling as to whether or not we can trust the Lord, where must we look? We must look again to the cross. Not at the, the, the detail of, of whatever it is that we're wrestling with. Trying to understand it. Sometimes we won't understand it. But when God speaks to us and we're wrestling with it and we're wondering, can I trust him? Look again to the cross and be encouraged that we can trust him uh, to the end with everything. He's faithful. So Abram, he's, he's trusting the Lord. Secondly, more briefly, uh, he's talking with the Lord. Verse 15, God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. Now back in biblical days, as you know, uh, names... Names meant things. They didn't just go through a book of names and say, well, that one sounds nice. Uh, There weren't names that that followed fashion trends. Names meant things. And Sarah means princess. And this renaming of of Sarah at this particular point in her life when she hasn't actually been 
on the best track, if you glance back to the previous chapter, uh, this shows the grace of God. In Sarah, the name means princess, but if we were to, to glance back to, to chapter 16, and we're not going to go there tonight, but you, you can remember it, I'm sure. Uh, we can see in Genesis 16 that, that Sarah, she doubted God's word. Uh, she had actually pulled Abraham off course. She had acted in such a way as to cause a, a whole lot of disruption and, and difficulty. That was her immediate context. But God says, her name will be Sarah. Her name will be Princess. God shows her grace. God recognizes that, that Sarah uh, was a work in progress, you know, as, as we all are. One commentator, Eveson, says, like her husband's name, Sarah's name is prophetic. It is a sign of God's promise to bless them with many descendants, including kings. So the name Sarah, it was a, it was a prophetic name um, that, that spoke about all the descendants that would flow from her. Verse 16 and 17, that that's pressed in. I will bless her, says the Lord, and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Then we have this peculiar verse in, in verse 17. Abraham, Abraham fell face down. He laughed. We always remember Sarah laughed, don't we? We don't remember so much that Abraham laughed. But that's what it says here. Before Sarah ever laughed, Abraham laughed. He fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 19? Now, you know, we don't know exactly how Abraham said that. Now, is he... Is he laughing? Is this laugh a, a laugh that is full of, of, uh, of joy and wonder uh, and praise? Or is this a laugh that is laced with doubt? You know, surely Sarah can't have a child at this stage. You know, we, we don't know what was going through Abraham's mind as he said this. We don't know uh, what was going on in his heart as he laughed. And if you read the scholars on it, they don't know either because they all argue about it. But what is clear is that Abraham's thoughts are out there before the Lord. He doesn't speak out audibly, but in this dialogue, as Abraham talks with the Lord, there seems to be that very honest prayer. Abraham speaks it out, and God hears it, and God responds. And there's a lesson there about prayer. You know, our prayers, uh, they should be, uh, they must be honest. There's no sense in, in, in praying prayers that sound very eloquent and, and sound very, very very correct, but actually don't, don't connect with the heart. Our prayers, uh, they should be, they must be honest. You know, there should be both reverence and reality in our prayers. And we see that in, in Abraham. He, as God speaks, Abraham falls face down, verse 3. There's reverence as he, as he sees God, as he responds to God. Uh, but there's also a reality about Abraham's prayers because He's wrestling with this promise that hasn't yet come to pass. And, and he's honest enough to be able to pour out his heart to God in prayer. And show how he feels deep down in the, in the dark places of his heart. There's reverence and there's, there's reality. There's, a, there's an honesty about Abraham's talking with God. Abraham said to God, verse 18, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, yes. But your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. 
I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. So as Abraham, he talks with the Lord. The Lord gives him uh, more details about this promise, more encouragement, uh, more, more, more things that he can take hold of by faith. God shares with, with Abraham uh, as, he, as he speaks with, with the Lord uh, in, this, in, this, uh, in this dialogue. He, he shares with him the name that, that uh, he's to give a son, Isaac, which means he laughs. God is saying to Abraham, I, I've heard you laugh. The name of your son will remind you always of the fact that you laughed. And now even Abraham is given a, a time scale for years and years and decades. He's been hanging on to this promise without any great clarity and without any understanding of, of when this is going to come to pass. But now Abraham is given a time scale by which the fulfillment of the promise will come. This time next year, Sarah uh, will bear you a son. His name will be Isaac. And the lesson here is, is an encouragement for us uh, to, to talk with the Lord. The application is just that, that straightforward. As Abraham speaks with the Lord, he learns more and more of God's character and God's plan for him. And so the lesson for us is, as we take time to listen to God and to talk with the Lord and to be with him, we too will learn more of his character, of his plan for us. It's actually the, the same lesson that Donnie preached here, was it two weeks ago? We were to sit at the feet of Jesus. We're to be less like Martha, who's running around in circles, furiously trying to do things for Jesus, and more like Mary, uh, who just sits at his feet and talks to him and listens to him. Because this is how our relationship with God is built up. This is how our relationship with God is kept fresh. This is how our faith is strengthened. This is how we're kept spiritually lively. This is how we stop going stale and stop falling back. It's by talking with the Lord and listening to the Lord. Uh, you've heard the quote many times that prayer is the pulse that indicates uh, whether we are living spiritually or not. Trusting the Lord, talking with the Lord, and finally, uh, just very briefly, obeying the Lord. Verse 22, when he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household or bought with his money, every male in his household, and circumcised him as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that same day. And every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. And it's just so straightforward, isn't it? God speaks, Abraham obeys. That very day, Abraham obeys. And God's word for Abraham was not a, an easy word to understand when he's asked to be circumcised and to have all the males in his household circumcised. Uh, but the God said it, <coughs> Abraham obeys. And this is a word uh, that was, was very difficult uh, to act upon. This is a word uh, that, that would in all likelihood not have been a very popular word as Abraham went from that place where, where God had spoken with him out into the, the household. As he said to all these guys that, uh, that were in his household, and the, the commentators reckon there was three to four hundred of them, and, and Abraham says to them, can you head over in that direction? There, there's going to be some 
unplanned surgery scheduled for today. That's a word I think that would have perhaps faced some resistance. And Abraham would have known that. But God spoke. Abraham obeyed. No hesitation. No procrastination. Uh, no discussion even. I mean, the children wouldn't understand this. No more than the children understand baptism. When we, when we bring them up to be baptized, when they're, when they're just a few months old, they wouldn't understand this. But Abraham doesn't have this conversation with God where he says, shouldn't we wait till they're a bit older and let them decide for themselves? Shouldn't we wait until they, they really understand what they're doing? No, there's none of that. God just speaks. Abraham says, I'll obey. He gets up that very day and he just obeys, which is a real challenge when you think about it. When I think if I put myself in Abraham's shoes, I would have wanted to debate this one. Why, Why circumcision, Lord? Why does it have to be this way? What's the meaning behind this? What's the logic behind this thing? Does it have to be this painful? Does it have to be at this stage? But there's none of that. God speaks. Abraham obeys. And the, the application uh, for me here is, is to be less like me and more like Abraham. You know, we sang the application to this last Sunday evening. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds in our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Sometimes it's painful to obey. Sometimes it's perplexing when we try to process what we've been asked to obey. But there's happiness in it. And there is a a closer walk with God enjoyed as we obey him in all the things that he asks of us. It's not our obedience that saves us. We don't get saved. We don't. We don't become Christians because of our obedience. But if we are saved people, if we are Christ's people, if we are walking with the Lord, if we are those who have seen all that Jesus has done for us on the cross, if we believe in him, then that belief, that thankfulness for our salvation that he has procured with his blood is expressed through our lives in this kind of simple obedience. Think about the the flow of that hymn that we sang a second, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt and all my pride. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow, and so it goes on. We're taken to the cross, we're asked to survey the cross, we're asked to fix our eyes upon Jesus, and as we follow that story of the cross, as we see our salvation being worked out, the hymn ends with us saying, Love so amazing so divine. This demands my, my life, my soul, my all. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you for all uh, that, we, that we do survey every time we come to Calvary. We thank you that you are the God who has done everything to make it possible for us to be saved. And we thank you that the, the salvation, the grace that saves us is, is a free gift that Jesus has paid for with his blood. We thank you that our relationship with God begins the, the moment we come to Calvary, confessing our sin, trusting in Jesus. And yet we recognize that our calling is not simply to come, uh, be saved and, and get on with our lives, going in any direction that we please, but our calling is to walk with you. Our calling is to live lives which are holy. Our calling is to live lives which are obedient. Not because that saves us, not because that keeps us, but that's the way through which we express our love 
and our thankfulness. And Lord, we pray that you would help us as we think about Abraham, as we see the straightforwardness in a sense of his life, as he trusts you with things that seemed mysterious, as he talks with you, Lord, and as he obeys. Help us, we pray, to, to follow that example and to trust you day by day with, with everything, especially the things that we find hard to understand. Help us to be exercised in the closet, speaking with you in prayer. And help us, we ask, Lord, to, to be obedient, to be those who express our thankfulness to you in lives where we seek to walk close with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And I may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.